The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 50 of the podcast, which is quite a milestone. And today is Monday, May the 29th, Memorial Day. So, of course, we want to kick things off by saying how we're thinking about the brave men and women who have given their lives to protect our freedom and our liberties in this great country of the United States of America. And, of course, a big thanks to everyone who is still currently serving. And, all right, let's get into talking about some of those liberties we enjoy, such as uh, mixed martial arts, violence, and alcohol. So, joining me today, as usual, the man who's been with me since episode one, and who has been on at least 40 to 45 of these 50 episodes. Um... You know, Jeff, you've seen this thing from its inception. <laughs> and uh, from the very first beer we cracked on the first episode, those river horse, <laughs> those river horse beers. Jeff, the Animal Wilson, how are you doing on this um, Monday afternoon, my friend? I'm good, Bill, but, uh, you know, you're giving me a lot of credit, but, Bill, this is your brainchild, dude. You're the one who set out and was like, you know what, I want to do a podcast. You did your research. You've done research on how to get the podcast out there. I mean, this is all you, dude. You can't let me take anything away from you. <laughs> yeah, but you've you've been there day and night across the microphone and uh, in a lot of cases across the country, <laughs> um, keeping up with my, my random schedule <laughs> and calling you five minutes before we go on the air. I think a lot of people don't realize uh, how quickly this comes together and, and how how fast we got to throw something together. What are you drinking? What, <laughs> get, grab something to drink, whatever's close. Um, <laughs> but no, we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of great talks about a lot of great fights, and we've enjoyed a lot of great alcohol. Um, and the, the show has been motivation for me to watch more MMA and I guess think about it a little more than I used to because – I used to watch all the cards. You and I used to both watch all the cards, but I, I guess I didn't have, I wasn't watching it with the same eye. And, um, you know, the podcast has also encouraged me to drink more. So <laughs> I guess, you know, there are positives and negatives to everything. I, I feel like I always have to try new things and I've got some, I got some, uh, fun new things to talk about in that area after we uh, break down this card. But yeah, 50 episodes, man. I'm still having a great time with it, and I appreciate you being there with me uh, week after week uh, <laughs> at random random times of the day. Today we're doing a day later, but, you know, it's Memorial Day. Everybody's got the day off, so, um, you know, hopefully everybody's able to tune in. And thanks to everybody who's been listening every week, whether you've been listening for one episode or you've been listening to all 50. I don't know how many of those of you there are out there, but uh, thanks to everybody who listens ever because Jeff and I would probably be doing this if nobody was listening. And uh, <laughs> I think that's that's what's important. That, that's why uh, we still have fun with it. And speaking of fun, let's talk about a really fun card that took place yesterday on a Sunday. And it was UFC Stockholm. I believe it was Fight Night 120. Nine, if I'm thinking, oh, 109. Sorry, I don't know where my head is right now. Um, and it was headlined by Alexander the Mauler Gustafson and Glover Teixeira. Uh, I gotta say, that was an awesome main event and overall pretty good card. Uh, you were saying, Jeff, I think the, the prelims were a little stronger than some of the main card bouts, but for the most part, for a free card on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I think everybody definitely got their money's worth there. So, so let's start with the main event. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Jeff, because uh, 
you know, you and I go back and forth on Gustafson and and whether or not he's the real deal. I, I thought he looked good yesterday, but um, I, I do have some points of contention about his performance. So let me get your thoughts on it first. Yeah, um, I was super, really very excited with this fight. I thought that Gustafson looked awesome. His hands were really fast. His footwork was good. Um, I felt like Glover Teixeira did a really good job of getting inside. And when he was in that pocket of space, Gustafson switched up his style. And he was using a lot of uppercuts to uh, really, when Teixeira closed down the distance, he was getting punished for it with those uppercuts. And uh, I, I feel like we saw some new looks from Gustafson. Uh, he was doing some spinning back elbows, uh, spinning back kick a la John Jones. So it was it was interesting. I feel like his head was in the right place. And, you know, overall, I thought it was a good performance performance from Gustafson. But something that Glover Teixeira did really well, and he didn't do this often enough, is he would pay for a shot. Gustafson would throw his hips back, and his head would come down a little bit. So Teixeira one time caught him with an uppercut after the failed shot. And I felt like if he had done that a little bit more, he would have had some more success. Uh, but overall, good fight uh, from both sides. Teixeira is tough as cheese, man. Um, <laughs> So, good fight. But uh, anyway, Bill, uh, what are some of the things that you thought Gustafson or Teixeira could have done better this week? Yeah, I thought they – I agree with you. I think they both looked awesome. I think they put on a great main event. I think it was definitely – both of these guys are deserving of being the main event for sure. Um, I I love the way Teixeira closed the distance, and he was willing to eat some big shots to close the distance. And I feel like that's the key to beating Gustafson because guys who have done that to him, who have been able to close the distance and not let him use that speed and that reach that he has over um, that advantage he has over a lot of guys in the division. Those are the guys who have had success. What I didn't like with Gustafson, especially in the first couple of rounds was away and full on turning his back to Glover and, and running. And, what what's what's weird about this is a lot of people who were criticizing Conor McGregor for kind of jogging away from Nate Diaz in their last fight. A lot of the same people were praising Gustafson, saying he had amazing footwork. So it's you got to see it one way or the other. I didn't like when Conor was running away. I didn't like when Gustafson was running away. I always say when you turn your back in a fight, that's telling me you don't want to fight. You know, whether you're eating big shots or you're just trying to avoid getting hit, that kind of body language suggests you don't want to be in a fight. And I, I don't like seeing that from from any guys at this level. And I feel like if he were to do that against John Jones, John Jones has the reach to nail him with some big shots because Glover had caught him a couple of times when he was trying to run away and you know, I feel like if he chased him down a little more or if he had just a little bit more reach, uh, he could have done some damage because if you're not looking at your opponent and you get blasted in the face, uh, you know, they always say the shots you don't see are the ones that do the most damage. Um, that that could have been bad for Gustafson. And the other thing was that uh, Glover was able to close the distance a lot and he was able to finish that one big takedown in the first round, which I thought was a beautiful single leg and just... Uh, dumped Gustafson down, wasn't able to hold him down, but really awesome single leg. Um, but the uh, the takedown defense that Gustafson showed there would make me concerned. Uh, I'm sure both Daniel Cormier and John Jones were licking their lips when they saw, you know, Gustafson running away and Gustafson not being able to defend the takedown for Glover Teixeira, who's known for his boxing and his jiu-jitsu which I, I still feel like Glover Teixeira has some of the most underrated jiu-jitsu probably in the sport. The guy has a ridiculous amount of finishes. He's a legitimate black belt, but nobody ever talks about his jiu-jitsu, probably because he has more traditional jiu-jitsu. Um, in any case, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but yeah, I, I feel like the way Gustafson fought last night, if he fought that way against either Jones or Cormier, uh, you would see a different showing than he showed against both of them uh, in his two performances, which, you know, he gave both of them probably the toughest fights of their careers. Um, and, you know, Cormier took a beating. A lot of people thought Cormier lost that fight to Gustafson. A lot of people thought John Jones lost to Gustafson 
as well. So um, those are my points of contention. But in that fourth round, the fact that he was able to still come out with just as much speed in his hands as he had in the first round, that's where he looked like a champion. And those finishing combinations were ridiculous, where he would have the little pawing jab and then that quick uppercut, and he did it three times in a row. And it was like Teixeira was just like a few seconds behind. Like he knew he was getting the same combination over and over, but he just couldn't react because Gustafson's hands were so fast, even late in the fight. And that's where I was really impressed with him. Yeah, I agree with you on the hand speed comment. And yeah, I agree with you on what you're saying about him running away. I mean, uh, I mean his cardio looked great because in the fifth round, he looked like he was coming out for the second round. But I agree with you, man. I'm not a fan of people turning their backs and running away in the other direction. And you're absolutely right. I think a guy like John Jones, with his reach, is going to clobber uh, Gustafson if he does that. So something definitely to work on. But uh, you got to give it to Teixeira and his toughness, man. Uh, he was eating some bombs, and he got dropped a few times. And I thought that the ref stoppage uh, in the last round was perfect. Um you know, which, you know, a lot of these refs, we give them, we give them a lot of uh, flack for messing up. But you got to give it to Mark Goddard. He was awesome yesterday. Um, the only comment is um, in the first round when Gustafson eye poked him, mm -hmm. I feel like uh, Mark Goddard maybe let his cor uh, Gustafson's corner get to him a little bit. And because Teixeira should have had time to recover. And Teixeira, instead of saying, you know, I can't see, he said, no, I'm going to fight. So, Teixeira, awesome dude. Can't wait to see either of these guys back in the cage. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Gustafson definitely needs to work on the running away thing because against a guy like DC or Cormier, they're going to, you know, they're quick enough where they're going to come and hunt you down. And if you give your back to Daniel Cormier, you're, you're getting put on your back. Yeah, and I would wonder if Gustafson's corner would want to see as much haste if Gustafson were against we're in there against John Jones and getting poked in the eye. Uh, I think then they would be asking for the recovery time just to clarify. And Mark Goddard uh, pointed this out as well. Uh, I was looking over the rules and there is nothing in the rules about giving the fighter uh, five minutes. It's, it's actually at the referee's discretion. They are allowed five minutes to recover if they're fouled with a groin shot. Um, but other than that, it's, it's up to the referee and the referee decided all right, you don't, you're not injured. You, you tell me you can fight. And Glover, when they asked him, I love Glover's answer because they asked him, like, you know, are you good? And he was like, of course I want to fight. And he didn't, he didn't even respond about, like, whether his eye was good or not. His answer was, I want to continue fighting. Uh, so if you give me time to recover, great, I'll take it. If you don't, I'm ready to go, and I'll fight you with one eye. And that's exactly what he did. And he took man Gustafson hit him with everything but the kitchen sink um and, and that uh he also didn't hit him with that rock he was he was hiding in his shorts <laughs> that he proposed to his girlfriend with after the fight uh so <laughs> let's talk about this so Gustafson uh invites his girlfriend into the cage after his fight and here's where I'm going to explain why uh fighters uh male fighters may not understand women that well um and, and maybe maybe not understand uh certain things about being romantic of, of course it's great do it on this big stage and and it's a grand gesture and i hate to keep shitting on gustafson but i just found this so funny so his girlfriend for those who don't know just gave birth uh to their child about two weeks ago so for any woman out there this is a time when they're feeling very vulnerable and probably not feeling the greatest about their appearance after just giving birth a couple weeks ago. Granted, she looked phenomenal. She did not look like she just had a baby two weeks ago. But here's this poor woman who just gave birth, is probably not feeling the best about her body. Let's put her on international television with, with potentially millions of people watching with a, with a sweaty barbarian who just clobbered a guy in a cage and then you're going to put her in a situation where she could say no to a proposal 
And uh, that's got to be t terrifying to her in so many ways. Um, but, you know, luckily she said yes. And his proposal, thanks for having the kid. Uh, <laughs> you want to marry me? <laughs> and, and <laughs> it was like, all right. Uh, not exactly like right out of a Nicholas Sparks novel or anything, <laughs> but I, I, I was cracking up, but you know, I, I guess, you know, she's used to his gruff kind of way of doing things. So, uh, you know, it, it works for them, but from like, from a romantic perspective, probably not, you know, the ideal scenario for a lot of women. What, what were your thoughts on this proposal, Jeff? Yeah, I thought it was really funny, too, because um, <laughs> he asked first and then gets down on one knee. So the whole thing was just really funny to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, I was thinking that, too, because, uh, you know, his now fiance is kissing him while, you know, after this dude is covered in not only his sweat, but somebody else's sweat. And he's been hit a whole bunch of times, like his lips bloody. I'm like. Uh, yeah, it probably wasn't his blood either. She probably got a mouthful of Tashera blood. So, <laughs> like, yeah. she's like, uh, yeah, probably wasn't enjoying that too much. And I, what I don't get is, like, why would you want to put that much pressure on yourself? You're fighting basically uh, what could be considered a number one contender fight in your hometown. Yeah, you didn't come off the greatest performance in your last fight. There's so much pressure and then in the back of his mind, he's thinking about how he's going to propose after the fight. So, and then what if he loses? Does he still do it? Or does he like wait till they're backstage? Or does he wait? Like, does she not get the proposal until he wins a fight? Like, how does, that's what I would, that's what I would want to know. Like, how does that, how does this work if, if, uh, Teixeira knocks him out or something? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, he's he's only carrying the dreams of a nation with him because he didn't do too well in his last fight in Stockholm. Um, but you know, now he's bat he's batting five hundred, so good for him. He's engaged. Um, I mean, <laughs> and like the whole thing was really funny, like you said. Um, it was just poorly timed. Poorly yeah. timed. She said yes. Thank goodness for him. I guess. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, uh, just the whole thing was really funny to me. Oh man, I was cracking up. Thanks for having the kid. <laughs> that was the best opener to a proposal I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Thanks for having the kid. All right. Well, congratulations to the the future Mr. and Mrs. Gustafson. Um, <laughs> so let's move down this card a little bit uh really explosive and impressive performance from uh volkan ozedemir who has quietly or not so quietly he kind of came out of nowhere climbing up the ranks in this division uh i think he was still an underdog against uh misha kirkanov and kirkanov was pressuring him like crazy which you know may have been the right strategy for him but uh, it didn't work out so well. So he pushed, he pushed Ozdemir against the cage, and he landed a really quick and really tight hook to uh, right behind the ear that put him out. That uh, that put Kirkadov out. And I don't know about you, Jeff. I didn't even see this punch the first time when it happened live. Like I didn't know why he dropped. It looked almost like his knee buckled or, or like he twists his knee or something. I didn't see the punch land. I had to wait for the replay to actually see what happened. And a lot of people were saying, don't blink during this one. Cause these are two guys who, who swing heavy leather. Um, but man, the, the fact that he was able, there are very few guys I feel like who can drop somebody with sh such a short shot like that. Uh, and the, the power of Ozetomir is, is definitely something to, to be concerned about if you're in that division. Uh, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? And did you see the punch when it was first thrown? Actually, Bill, I went to the bathroom at the beginning of this fight. So you didn't see it at all. <laughs> I come back and they're like, coming up, the decision. I was like, well, what the fuck happened? Um, so then I, was, <laughs> I see the replay and I'm like, okay, well, where's the rest of the fight? And then I realized that the replay was the fight. So, um, yeah, I didn't, 
I mean, I got to see the shot when it happened, but it didn't, like, it was weird. Even in slow motion, it looked like he kind of just tapped him. And, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Misha, which is, uh, uh, I can't even say his last name, uh, Cherkinov, am I saying that right? Sure. I was saying Cherkinov, but you, you're probably right. L let's go somewhere in between Cherkinov and Cherkinov. So Cherkinov uh, will say, yeah, he just, he was down on the floor. I was like, dude, what the hell happened? So I see the replay, um, and Ozdemir must have some real power, man. For him to land with so much power in such a short space, uh, that's saying something. And remember, this guy did beat um, Ovin St. Brew, and Ozdemir, um, hold on, I was going to say something, and then, oh, right. So Ozdemir caught uh, Sikhanov in also kind of like a sleeper spot. That, that spot right behind the ear, that'll put you out pretty quick. So Ozdemir, he caught him in the right spot, and he must be able to produce a lot of power to finish like that. Yeah, ridiculous amount. And uh, uh, a lot of people didn't expect him to take out Ovin St. Prue. That was a split decision, but Ozdemir took that fight, I think, on like a week or two weeks' notice. Uh, so to, to step in there with a contender like that is impressive. And he said that he wants a ranked guy next, and uh, – I don't want to argue with him. I would love to see him in there with a top 10 guy because um, he's, he's an exciting fighter. And I think a lot of people are going to hesitate now before they rush in on him like that. Um, <clears throat> so the, the fight right before that, Peter Sabata uh, with a TKO over Ultimate Fighter alumni Ben Saunders. Uh, so Ben Saunders is one of these guys who – Always exciting, I feel like. Always puts on good performances. And he's been around a while. He's a serious veteran. He's been in and out of the UFC a couple of times. And, you know, stuck to it. Kept racking up wins outside of the UFC. Earned his way back. Uh, you got to respect a guy like that. And uh, Peter Sabata, more known for his ground game than his striking. But uh, this guy looks better and better with his striking every fight. And... You know, KOing or TKOing Ben Saunders basically with a Ben Saunders move, the high knee to the chin uh, was incredible. And I think Ben Saunders was upset that this fight was stopped, but, you know, he had his legs buckled twice while he was standing. I thought it was a good stoppage by the referee. Um, I, I didn't think it was going to go too well for him once it got to the ground. As good as Ben Saunders is off his back, um, <clears throat> you know, he was. He was crumpled pretty well. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? I agree with everything you said. But also, not only that, um, Ben Saunders, had, that was like his third time getting dropped in that fight. So I think the ref had seen enough. I think it was a good call. Um, when a guy goes down two or three times like that, you know, you're risking injury and stuff, like brain damage and shit. So I think it was a good call from the ref because Ben Saunders took a licking out of the fight. Yeah, and only 34 years old. Uh, I was thinking that he was he was a little older than that just because he's been around forever. Uh, he was on one of the early seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, he's been in some wars, man. I, I don't think it's the last time we see Ben Saunders in the UFC, um, but I, I think uh, we're going to start to see Peter Sabata against some more top-notch competition and i'm not mad about that because you know this guy is looking great uh his striking's really coming together and he even said you know he's confident in his ground game but he didn't want to go to the ground with ben saunders because he knows you know ben is has a very awkward style on the ground i mean for a guy who's like nine feet tall and is able to you know <laughs> execute a rubber guard uh that that's like that's tough to deal with somebody who's got long limbs like that and they're flexible. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's really unusual characteristics. Uh, any other thoughts on Sabata or on that fight in general, Jeff? Uh, you know, exciting fight and I'm ready to see these guys, uh, be in the octagon again, but, uh, I think that's all I got for this one. Cool. All right. So the two fights before that, uh, Omari Agmedov, versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, and Nordin Taleb versus Oliver Enkamp. I feel like there was a similar theme in both of these fights, and that was 
uh, experience over talent and experience over explosiveness. Uh, and I feel like that's how Taleb and Akhmedov were able to get the victories here. So Akhmedov, you know, countered the explosiveness of Al Hassan with his wrestling. And, uh, you know, his his wrestling looked great. And Akhmedov's one of these guys who's been around for a long time, and he kind of flies under the radar. And, you know, they may have been feeding him to Al Hassan here, who's just been, you know, knocking dudes out. He's never been out of the first round before yesterday, I think. So that was a good test for him. And, you know, to be able to see that he can go the distance with a veteran. And then uh, Nordin Taleb uh, really put it on the young kid, uh, Oliver Enkamp, who is undefeated and, you know, known for flashy kicks and, and things like that. But Taleb, Taleb wasn't flinching. And I, I feel like that's where Enkamp showed his inexperience is when Taleb would pressure him, he flinched a lot. And um, it, it didn't work the other way. So uh, which – do you agree, Jeff, that, that experience kind of trumps explosiveness and – and uh, talent here, and which one of these fights was more impressive to you? Yeah, I definitely agree with, you know, experience trumps all. Um, and I really enjoyed the Akhmedov fight versus Al-Hassan. Uh, I was really excited uh, to see both of these guys. They're both really good fighters. And like you said, it was, in, it was good to see that Al-Hassan can go out of the first round, but it was also interesting to see that he was able to survive against Akhmedov, man. Uh, he kind of reminds me of, um, uh, shit, I forget his name, at 155. Like a Melvin um, Gillard? Uh, a little bit, but Akhmedov also reminds me of uh, the other dude from Dagestan. Um, Akhmedov? Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of pressure and good wrestling. And, you know, they do have similar backgrounds with Sambo and everything. So it was interesting to see how Al-Hassan dealt with that. I felt like he didn't do a great job, um, despite him being a judo guy and everything. But judo is something that you do in the gi, so it's a little bit different. Uh, but overall, I thought uh, all these guys looked really good. I feel like Enkamp, um, you could see his lack of experience. I feel like he also had some jitters because this was a UFC debut. But um, I saw some hints of greatness in Enkamp. He reminds me a little bit of Wonder Boy in the way he moves back and forth and he has the flashy stuff. He also has a similar frame at 170. So uh, both are really good fights, and I'm really excited to see where Enkam and Al-Hassan uh, end up in the near future because I think they're going to make a big splash. Yeah, I think they both learned a lot, and I, it was my mistake. I thought you were talking about Al-Hassan, which is why I made the comparison to Melvin Gillard because he kind of reminds me of him with the explosive power, and then if you could get him out of the first round and kind of wear on him, um, it, it usually doesn't go well for him, but yeah, I was really impressed with, uh, Taleb, the way he was able to look those crazy kicks right in the face. And, uh, you know, Frankie Edgar is another guy who did this in his last fight against Yair Rodriguez. Those wild kicks were coming and he was just like, just a slight move of the head. Whereas Encamp, when things were thrown at him, he was, you know, moving his head way out of the way. Um, which is always a clear sign of just a lack of experience. Uh, plain and simple. So I, I kind of like that experience uh, triumphed in these two fights, but I'm also really excited to see Al Hassan and Encamp uh, grow as fighters. And I think they're both going to be really exciting once they get a few more fights under their belt. So another exciting fight, which was exciting from the weigh-ins, uh, Jack Hermanson, 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 and Alex Nicholson. So Nicholson uh <laughs> was screaming at Hermanson in the <laughs> at the weigh-ins and just you know acting like an asshole and he he got the the bully beatdown <laughs> from Hermanson um so Hermanson uh shoots like a, an odd takedown on Nicholson where he was reaching for his near leg but he put his head on the far side which is a great way to get caught in a guillotine which is exactly what he did but um you know, I guess the ground game of Nicholson was exposed a little bit there because he wasn't able to get his legs underneath Hermanson to to finish that guillotine or, or to put enough pressure on it to be able to use it to stand up. And then uh, once Hermanson escaped from there, he he, uh, he was just dropping some bombs. And I think 
this was another fight where, you know, the fighter didn't want it to be stopped, but, you know, he wasn't really doing anything to defend himself. I thought it was a good stoppage there as well. What are your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Jack the Joker Hermanson. Uh, I loved seeing his ground game. I liked how he took him out. And while taking him out, he also trapped one of Nicholson's arms, which sucks, especially when you're getting punched in the face. Um, he had no way to defend himself. At one point, he ended up turning his back to Hermanson, which is a clear sign that he doesn't want to fight anymore. So I thought it was a good stoppage. Um, I think both guys overall need to work on their ground game. Uh, Hermanson, because, you know, his takedown, like you said, it was a little awkward. And the the way you described it, where you put your head to the other side of the leg, like on the inside of the leg, that's a good card against you, man. That's exactly what happened. But I feel like if Nicholson had a better ground game, he probably would have been able to finish that guillotine. Um, but good card, good main card, and the undercard was super fun as well. Yeah, so I'm going to let you take the reins on the undercard because uh, uh, <clears throat> I caught I caught a lot of it, but I uh, you know it was the middle of the day, so I, I was kind of trying to get some other things done at the same time. So I kind of had it on in the background, if I'm being honest, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't paying the the most attention. So what was the uh, if I had to go back and watch one of these prelim fights, Jeff? What's your pick? What's the the animal Wilson? Uh, the Animal Wilson Rewind, we'll call it. Uh, <laughs> which one of these should I go back and check out? All right, I got three of them for you. Um, Trevor Smith versus Chris Camozzi. Don't even pretend that fight never happened. Um, Done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joaquin Silva versus uh, Riza Madadi. Uh, that one also got pretty heated at the wins as well. That was a pretty fun fight to watch. They're both going at it, but you could tell Silva kind of deserve the win but uh madadi man he, he's a fun dude to watch uh so that fight is a lot of fun i enjoyed it uh, another one to go see is bojan velikovic uh versus nico uh musaki musoki i might be saying that wrong and i apologize but uh this fight ended in a tko and uh velikovic was kind of the underdog going in but in the third round he Catches Musaki with a combo, and Musaki's legs just give out under him. The, uh, his legs start spazzing out, and he's trying so hard to stay on his feet, but he just can't. And uh, Velikovic comes in with one last shot and just finishes him. And yeah, that was uh, a lot of people were posting the video of that saying he was like, uh, he was uh, doing the stanky leg, or like <laughs> he, was, he was just kind of wobbling, like the, like the, Pinocchio walk when he's like, <laughs> um, yeah, that was a really good fight. Uh, I felt like he was under, uh, he was probably losing on the cards, so he needed to finish that fight. So, good win for him, there fun fight to watch. Yeah. And then Damir uh, Hadzovic uh, versus Marcin Held, uh, another TKO finish, and that was an awesome fight, Bill. I really enjoyed it. Um, also, Darren Till versus Justin Ayari. Also another mm -hmm. fun fight. So the undercard was uh, pretty good. I'm not. I have no complaints about this card in its entirety. Yeah. So Martin held. I did catch this third round, or you know, uh, the the piece of a third round that there was. I think the knockout came seven seconds in, or was it seven seconds left? Uh, in either case, um, he uh, he was rolling for a heel hook, and he went from way outside. Uh, to to roll in there and he just changed levels so late so he came in from real far away and then he changed levels so late that he just got blasted with a knee uh i think you know the guy's an amazing grappler we've seen it in bellator uh, we know what he's capable of uh unfortunately he hasn't been able to show too much in the ufc and now he's dropped three in a row although a lot of people, including Joe Lozon, believe that he beat Joe Lozon. So he's got that going for him. And I think that may be the reason we don't see him get cut here. But uh, maybe just too a little overconfident in his grappling, the way he tried to roll for that uh, that heel hook technique, that heel hook entry. Um, so, uh, man, 
it sucks because he, he got sloppy and he paid for it big time. All right. Any other uh, kind of encompassing thoughts on this card, which overall, like I said, you can't complain for a Sunday afternoon uh, free on Fox Sports 1. I thought this was a really solid card. Any any uh, final thoughts on this, Jeff? Um, I Just one last thing. I really feel like with his performance against Teixeira, I think Gustafson put his name back into the title contention here. Um, but I don't know if it was enough to pass him, to let him skip in front of Jimmy Manuel. We'll see. But overall, really fun card. Yeah, which is kind of... It's kind of awkward here. I feel like Gustafson uh, <clears throat> will probably get the pass since he had such close fights with both uh, Cormier and Jones that, you know, there's a lot of uh, clips they can use to market this fight uh, against either of them. And then uh, him and Jimmy Manua are pals also. So I, I believe they train together now, and Gustafson has a win over Manua. And uh, after that, I think they started training together. Uh, so they're like buddies. So you're not going to be able to put them against each other to eliminate. And, uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Manoa, as much as he was talking to try and get the fight against Cormier, I think he may, uh, take a step down and let Gustafson take this one. Uh, he's expressed some interest in, uh, in taking a boxing fight for some reason, which really annoys me that a lot of these guys, are, are speaking out and saying that they want boxing fights. I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. Well, I know where this is coming from because Conor McGregor did it. And once he does something, then a lot of these guys think, you know, that's the way they're going to make money too. I, <laughs> I think what a lot of them don't realize is there's not that much money in boxing and it, it's the same as the UFC. You know, the top, the top guys that are billed on the marquee, they're getting huge, huge paydays. Uh, the rest of the guys on that card are splitting like 8% of the total payout for the fighters. It's, it's ridiculous. I feel like a lot of the lower level boxers, you know, they're getting paid the same as guys on the prelims as the UFC, if not worse. Um, the, there's not a, a lot of money for mid-level boxers, which is what a lot of these guys would be, you know? If if somebody like a Jimmy Manoa takes a boxing fight, he he's gonna be, you know, who's he gonna fight? He's not gonna fight a big name, because it wouldn't make sense. Uh, and I don't feel like there's a lot of big names at his weight right now, anyway. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I I get I get frustrated when I hear these guys saying like, oh, I'm gonna go to boxing because I'm not making enough money, and it's like, well, you're not gonna make it there either. So you might as well stay in MMA and, and be entertaining. And, uh, that's my thought on the whole boxing thing. So <clears throat> Jeff, I, uh, I went to the movies last night and I saw, uh, the new pirates of the Caribbean, which is the fifth installment dead men tell no tales. I got to say, I loved it. And I, I think, I think it opened to some harsh criticism at first because like, Oh, it's another, Pirates of the Caribbean. I like all these movies. I can't tell you the plot of any of them, <laughs> except for maybe the first one. But they're just the, the way they're shot is so awesome, and just you know the way they're able to. Obviously, it's Disney, and there's like ass loads of money that gets put into them. But I really feel like production wise, they're like some of the best movies to to watch if you just want like a visual stimulation. This one was awesome in the theater. And uh, I bring this up on this show because, you know, I very rarely talk about things that don't have to do with MMA or alcohol, but I, uh, I did bring in a flask of my black Pearl cocktail. Uh, I was like, I'm going to see the pirates movie. I did the black Pearl thing on YouTube. For those of you who haven't seen the, the last cocktail recipe I posted was a, a black spiced rum cocktail uh, it's up on YouTube now, so go go check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, real simple, only a handful of ingredients, which is the way I try to keep all my cocktail recipes. And um, so I, I brought in the black spice rum. So I'm sitting there. I'm in the movie. I got my I got my rum in my flask, and you know, there's sword fighting, and there's all kinds of action, and like the awesome cinematography and everything like that. I really enjoyed it, and 
I don't know if it was just because of the rum or because it was a really good movie, but uh, I was really entertained by it. I thought it was the best one uh, since the first one, actually. Um, yeah, so any thoughts on that? Have you have you tried a, a Black Pearl cocktail yet, Jeff? And uh, have you seen the movie, or do you have any plans to see the movie? I actually might go later today to see that one because I am excited for it. Um, the Black Pearl cocktail, I've not had a chance to try it, but I want to. I'm going to try hopefully next weekend or this weekend coming up. Um, then we're going to try it. But um, I actually went to the movies last night, too, and I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And right. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I feel like it's such a different take to some of these other superhero movies. Um, and I feel like Marvel really does a good job of creating this other universe. Because, um, you know, it's like outer space and all that. So it, it was a fun movie to watch. Um, and, yeah, dude, I, I'm excited to see Pirates of the Caribbean later. Yeah, that's another. I I never saw the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, I usually am not into like uh, science fiction stuff. But I do like, uh, I do appreciate like the production value and like what they're able to do with the graphic design and and the CGI and everything like that. Which, from what I understand, a lot of it comes out of Canada these days um, because I, I guess they do excellent work and uh, it's it's cheaper than uh, using Hollywood. So from that's what I hear anyway. Uh, I'm no expert in movies by any means, but um, I am an expert in bringing drinks into the movie theater while I enjoy the movies. Uh, so that's one of my favorite uh, pastimes is, is bringing booze into the movies. And if you've never brought booze into a movie, uh, you've been movie going wrong for, you know, your entire life. And, while we're on the topic of booze, I want to bring up uh, what I'm actually sipping on right now. Every time the camera flips to Jeff, uh, <laughs> for those of you watching on YouTube and uh, not on iTunes and everywhere else. So my next cocktail video is going to be a little bit more complex. A lot of people were asking for a tequila recipe. So rum and tequila were the two top votes when I put out a poll on Twitter. Uh, so I got this new tequila and I stumbled on it by accident and I'm really glad I did. It's called Tietas, which I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, means earth. Okay. He's nodding, but he was also sipping water. Uh, so Tietas tequila from Mexico. This is awesome stuff. And what I did, I don't want to give away, uh, what I'm going to do for the cocktail, but you can see that half the bottle is gone and that's not because I drank all of it. So I took some of it and uh, this is my latest infusion. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, I'm big on infusing liquors myself. Uh, that way you don't get like all the sugar and garbage that's in uh, flavored liquors. So I took the tequila and I sat it in coffee beans for a couple of days and I've already strained this out. It's ready to go. It's ready to use for uh, my next cocktail video, which is going to be really interesting. Something a little different, a little bit more complex, but I feel like it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, the the tequila really absorbed the coffee well. I used some uh, dark roast coffee beans because I like dark roast coffee. But, uh, you know, coffee and tequila go together really well for people who don't realize or you've never had like a Mexican coffee, which is just coffee with tequila in it uh <laughs> just similar to an irish coffee which is coffee and whiskey um yeah so i got my infused earth tequila and uh i'm ready to go on the next video and in the meantime i'm happy to uh sip on some of this neat and if you've been listening to the show for a while you also know that i'm a big fan of sipping on tequila and not taking a shot of it but uh, as with anything else Drink it however the fuck you like it because that's what life's all about. So if you want to sip it, sip it. If you want to take it in a butt funnel, you take that shit in a butt funnel. Um, so Tieta's tequila, Jeff. Next time you're looking for a, you know, a fine tequila to impress a lady friend and you want to show you have a sophisticated palate, um, you, know, you pick up a bottle of this. It's got like the cool black rope around the neck of it, which is you know, a little morbid, maybe, or maybe it's like an autoerotic asphyxiation kind of thing. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, really cool bottle. It's got like the agave plant sticker in the back. So it gets magnified through the tequila. Um, yeah. So we got all that going. So you've been sipping on anything interesting over there, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. So as I was watching the fights yesterday uh, at 11 a.m., I was drinking some <laughs> Buffalo Trace. Uh, I remember we've been talking about Buffalo Trace a few episodes back, and I wanted to try it. And, Bill, I was disappointed because to my chagrin, there were no traces of Buffalo in the <laughs> um, all jokes aside, though, I really enjoyed it. Um, I put a splash of water in it to really bring out some of the flavor. And, dude, it, it's it's heavy, man. It hit my nose pretty hard. But it goes down so smooth. It's like mm -hmm. drinking silk. I love it. Um, so I'll probably be sipping on that for a while because I still have the bottle left over. And to go with it, Bill, I had a dogfish head Palo Santo. Okay. The darker ale. And it's you told me it's actually it's age it's uh, finished with um, Palo Alto wood, so you get on the back notes you get some of that woodiness that goes really well with the whiskey, and um, I just like it. It's dark, so it's a little bit more malty too. So it kind of reminds me of like dark chocolate a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, no, I made a mistake because um, unfortunately I didn't have room in the fridge, so I left it out for about 10 minutes. And then to get it cold again, I thought, well, let me put it in the freezer for like 20 minutes. It'll get yeah. cold quick. But Bill, when I uh, got it out and tried it again, it was not the same taste. <laughs> yeah, you and I were, were having a conversation about this before we started recording. And uh, first, uh, before before I uh, you know recap what I told you earlier, I want to tell you how proud I am of you with the buffalo trays and the splash of water to open up the flavors and, and the way you broke down the taste of the whiskey and the taste of the beer. You've come a long way uh, in these 50 episodes, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, as far as uh, the, the temperature of the beer, if you buy beer cold, keep the beer cold. Um, it doesn't have to be you know ice cold, but once you let it get warm and then you chill it again, it really affects the chemistry inside the beer. And that's the way that beers get kind of skunked. And I know you want to have the beer as soon as possible. So you, uh, you put it in the freezer and, um, the, the drastic temperature changes, it's just like a drastic temperature change would affect your body. You know, if you're out in 101 degrees weather, and then you come inside to a room that's like 60 degrees because the air conditioning is blasting, you're going to catch a cold. Or if you go outside and it's freezing cold and you come in and the heat's too high, you know, it, it messes up the chemistry in your body and you get sick. Uh, same thing with the beer. Beer gets sick uh, when you uh, <laughs> when you drastically change the temperature. If you're going to do something with – if you're going to have like a bush light or like, uh, you know, a light beer that, that doesn't have as, as much of a complex flavor to it in the beginning – uh, a Coors Light, yeah, throw those things in the freezer. It's not really going to affect the taste that much. But uh, And then if you have like a really flavorful beer, maybe you won't notice as much either. But yeah, drastic temperature changes are, uh, are never good. But again, great job with the bourbon, sipping on it the right way with a little splash of water. Um, and uh, yeah, Buffalo Trace, man. I'm, I'm kind of sad that... The last bottle I, I had of that is gone. And I feel like you know, I was saying at the beginning of the show, I'm all, I feel like I have to keep trying new things. So I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do some repeats here. Who's going to know? <laughs> <laughs> now we're, But now everything's on video. People are going to say like, hey, you already did Buffalo Trace. I'm going to say, well, it was that good. So if you didn't try it the first time, you know, listen to me now. <laughs> all right. So. Lots of great uh, alcohol banter, as always. So we got another card coming up. We're back to pay-per-view with UFC 212 next week from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And it's headlined by the unifying title match between Jose Aldo and Max Holloway, the interim champion. Um, you know, there was really no reason other than selling pay-per-views to have Max Holloway fight Anthony Pettis 
for an interim belt. Um, but, you know, they did it, and he's got a belt now, and great. But this is the real championship fight. So Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, uh, the champion versus the interim champion. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Does this one get you excited at all? I'm excited to see how Max Holloway does because, you know, he's had some tough fights and he's beaten some tough guys. But this is Jose Aldo, man. This is the OG of the 145ers, man. Um, he's a tough dude. He hasn't lost before, uh, up until the Conor McGregor loss. He hadn't lost in like 10 years. So this is going to be a real test for him. And yeah. I, I think that Holloway has the tools to do it, though. He's got good reach. He's really good at using that reach. His ground game is pretty solid. He's getting better all the time. I think he can pull this one out. But, you know, you can never rule out Joe Sealdo because he's Joe Sealdo. So, you know, he's good all around. He's got power in both hands. He can come at you with crazy strikes like flying knees and stuff. So this is going to be a really good fight. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially newer MMA fans, they don't realize what jose aldo was like the the spectacle of jose aldo back in the wec days and uh the his early days coming over to the ufc uh and i feel like that's because the ufc marketing hasn't really done him justice because they you know they build up the more marketable characters so to speak which you can't blame them for i mean they're in the business of promotion and marketing so They've got to take the people who are the most marketable and put them up on a pedestal. But, uh, you know, that that's why the podcast world is such a great place because we can remind people, you know, what Jose Aldo was. And he a spectacle is the best way to describe it. I mean, he took guys who were top-level competitors and made them look like children the way he beat up on them. And like you said, power in both hands, power in both knees, power in both legs, uh, power everywhere and for the longest time we heard that he was a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt but we never saw it because he was just burning through competition in the wec and just demolishing people uh so go back and watch some old jose aldo fights if you want to see um you know vintage jose aldo um all that being said uh he doesn't seem like the same person since Conor McGregor. And I don't just mean the knockout. I mean, everything that he was put through building up the fight between those two and being taken on that world marketing tour. He's not a guy who likes the spotlight and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a fighter through and through. And I feel like that really fucked with him. Um, you know, granted, and then he also doesn't understand why he can't get a rematch with Conor uh, you know, because there's so many politics involved there. And, uh, you know, people who are diehard Jose Aldo fans are really pissed off about that, and rightfully so. Uh, and then you got Max Holloway, who's on a tear, 10 fights in a row. And, you know, it was a murderer's row of people. I mean, you know, Anthony Pettis, Cub Swanson, uh, I think uh, Ricardo Lamas. Uh, dude, just killers and uh you know he's earned his title shot for sure it's gonna depend we know what max holloway is is showing up it's gonna be the max holloway is on a 10 fight winning streak and he's got a fire under his ass and he's got something to prove because he feels like he's not a real champion the only x factor is gonna be which jose aldo shows up you know um it could be the jose aldo that fought frankie egger that just kind of kept him at bay I, Fr frankie egger the second time just kind of kept him at bay and, uh, you know, kind of neutralized them. Uh, it could be that. It could be, you know, if it's the old school Aldo showing up, then Holloway's got a long night ahead of him. Um, and I'm sure he's preparing for that, Aldo. But, um, yeah, as far as, as far as this fight goes, you got to kind of give a slight edge to Max Holloway unless, you know, it is that old school Jose Aldo that shows up. The co-main event of this card uh, is one I'm really excited for Claudia Gadelia against Karolina Kovokovic, who uh, both have given tough fights to the champion, Ioanni and Jacek. Uh, Gadelia has lost to her twice. Uh, Kovokovic lost to her once in a really, really close fight. 
that was just wild. I mean, they were still swinging like crazy in that fifth round of that fight. Uh, who do you like in this one, Jeff, <clears throat> between uh, Gedalia and Kovokovic? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Bill. I'm super excited for this fight, but I cannot tell you who's going to win. Um, they're both such good fighters. They're both super well-rounded. Uh, Kovokovich, you don't see too much of her jujitsu, but she has it. She has grappling. She's really good on the ground. So is Gedalia. Um, uh, on the ground, I'll probably give the advantage a little bit more to Gedalia, but standing, I, I don't know who to give it to. Them. They're both very, very good fighters. They've taken uh, Yolani and Jacek into deep water. Kovokovich, especially, um, I think she knocked her down at one point in like the fourth round of their fight. So I can't tell you, man. They, they both have tools that make them lethal and they're good all around. So I'm excited, man. I'm more excited for this fight than the title fight, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i kind of with you on that one. And Gedalia, I think, has held down Ioana and Jacek longer than anyone else has been able to. She's definitely got great wrestling. She's got, uh, you know, awesome jujitsu skills. But, uh, you know, Karolina Kovokovic has got great takedown defense as well, and she's got spectacular striking. Um, so this will be a good one, and this will be one that won't have a lot of hype behind it because, you know, neither of them are really big trash talkers. Karolina Kovokovic is one of these fighters who seems, like, so innocent, <laughs> you know? She's, like, um, you know, she's very polite, very well-mannered. They interview her, and they're like, so how's your training? And she's like, I like cookies. And, you know, she's, like, she's like very, very cute you don't think of her as like a killer but then she gets in the octagon and she's fucking killer you know uh so that'll be a fun fight and then we got vitor belfort and nate marquardt which would have been awesome you know five or six years ago uh and so i don't really have an opinion on that one i, I don't really care for that fight i would have loved to see it five or six years ago but um the sleeper fight on this card i feel like is eric silva and yancy Medeiros, who both of these guys are kind of hot and cold, but I feel like that's because their fight style is like balls out. You know, these guys, these guys go for broke and, you know, sometimes it works in their favor. Sometimes it doesn't, but I feel like that's what makes both of them really exciting. And I feel like, uh, you need to tune in for this fight, everybody, because this one is going to be awesome. Yancy Medeiros, Hawaiian guy, I believe, uh, trains with the Diaz brothers. Uh, she's got like a very brash, style to him and uh eric silva has had some awesome fights as well and both of them if you look at their records you know uh since coming in the ufc it's like a lot of red and green you know back and forth they've lost some big fights they've won some big fights um i'm excited for this one well any thoughts on the the vitor marquardt uh fight or uh madero silva jeff yeah, Vitor versus Mark Ward. Um, I don't really care anymore. Um, <laughs> I, like you said, man, five or six years ago, yes, put it as the co main event. Now, Vitor got destroyed um, in his last fight. We did a good episode on that. And, um, yeah, I just named Mark Ward. I don't even know what he's doing anymore. But Eric Silva versus Yancy Medeiros. Bill, this fight is, I agree with you, man. I think there's the dark horse. This is a sleeper. This is this could have potential to be fight of the night, man. Eric Silva mm -hmm. goes in there like Terminator every time he fights. Yancy Medeiros, I don't know him too well, but I that is a bell, and I know he's a good fighter. So this is gonna be good, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. All right, UFC two twelve, Rio de Janeiro. Uh gonna be an awesome pay-per-view. Uh I'm excited to check that one out. Uh I'm excited to uh get into a little more of this tequila today. And enjoy the rest of Memorial Day. So I wish the same to all of you. Uh, I hope everybody is thinking about all the troops who have made the greatest sacrifice for our country and uh, made it possible for us to do things like this and uh, for us to enjoy a day like Memorial Day when people have the day off and, and people are just able to relax and spend time with their families. And uh, yeah, so uh, thoughts go out to, to all those troops. We made that sacrifice and to all of their families. Um, 
If you would like to have a conversation with either of us about anything we've talked about or anything in general, if you have some new drink recipes or some new liquors or beers that you want to recommend to us, please you know, reach out to us anytime. You can get Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And of course, you guys all know where to find me by now. It's at MMA on the rocks on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, <laughs> new to YouTube still. Um, so thanks to everybody who's been checking that out. And, or you go to MMA on the rocks.com and you can send me a message that way. Uh, you know, so please feel free to reach out. We always, you know, like interacting with everybody who's listening to the show. And if you're listening anywhere else, you can get the show on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcast platforms. So for Jeff the Animal Wilson, my name is Bill Welker. Thanks for tuning in to episode 50. And for the other 49 episodes, <laughs> if you have. Um, <laughs> and that's all we got for this week. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>